things you own end up owning you. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Yuri Marmerstein. Uh, Yuri is a professional acrobat who's performed on a Las Vegas strip, on Broadway, and on television. He's uh, a ginger-bearded physical culture enthusiast, as he describes on his Instagram. He teaches workshops all around the world, and I think he's a fantastic teacher. And I love his approach to training and to injury and to diet. And uh, those are all the things we talk about on the podcast. And um, we also talk about some philosophical ideas behind attachment and ego. Um, it's a great podcast. He's a really laid-back guy to listen to and chat with. And uh, I hope you enjoy this one. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. First of all, thank no you worries. very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, and you're, uh, you're my first uh, Russian comrade on, uh, on the podcast. So thank you nice. for, for popping that cherry for me. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to have you, brother. So yeah, so I, like, uh, you know, whenever you talk to somebody and I tell somebody that like I'm Russian, it's always like, um, oh, vodka, Putin, and like uh, wrestling or like physical culture or like, you know, yeah. like uh, bar star guys or whatever. You get that too? Or is it just me? <laughs> not as much. Yeah, a little bit. Not as, I, I don't know. I guess I just haven't been hanging around as many Russians lately. Uh-huh. Or the, there is a pretty big like Russian community in Vegas. No way. I didn't know that I at all. I don't know. Really? Maybe I, well, because there's a lot of Cirque people. They're all unemployed now, but... Um, maybe <laughs> yeah, I just man. shrug it off because I've gotten so so. Well, used yeah, to it. it's like I'm numb to it. I mean, I, I just but say people right away. don't know. Like it surprises because I because I speak with an American accent. I've been you know I've been in the U.S. 25 years or whatever. Uh-huh. Moved when I was young. Yeah. So a lot of times I like it because I surprise people because yeah. you know they'd be speaking Russian, talking shit about the people in the room. And then you're like, that's like Uh-oh, a thing. <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, and then, yeah, so I, I like to surprise people who don't know that I speak Russian because they they always have that like doubt, like, oh, Yuri, oh, but he speaks he speaks with American accent, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. But it turns out, yeah, but yeah. I, I like having that that kind of trump card in my pocket where they think because I've I, I met another dude named Yuri who doesn't speak any Russian. Really? I don't even. I think he was born. Oh, here. you know what, man? I've met some Latino people, and apparently, when Yuri Gagarin in that generation, it was there's actually they named some like I met like a, a guy from Ecuador. His name's fucking Yuri, and he said yeah. his parents named him for Yuri Gagarin. You know, the fucking first man in space. So I was like, wow, there's an interesting tie with like uh, South America and Russia in some points. Like, like you know, you know, to this day. If you're Colombian, like, you know, an American needs. Uh, I mean, that's where uh, Trotsky fled, right? After he got. Uh, after he got <laughs> that's what the they family. say. That's what they say. I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. You know, it's like to this day, like Americans need a visa to go to Russia. But if you have like a right. Colombian passport, you don't need a visa. You're good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those South American countries, it's it's interesting. I don't, I don't know, man. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, why do you think. What is it about you think that like about Russians and Chinese people and just like all these smaller countries like um sort of you know now that word is being tossed around but oppressed kind of countries you know like Cuba that it's like created these like kind of massive legendary physical culture kind of uh um you know just cultures what do you think what do you th- I, I think part of it is the ability like in that the ability to reject and hide the rejections because I know. 
I know that they did that, of course, in Russia, because I used to train with a guy who was like Olympic level gymnast in the 70s. Uh-huh. And, and he coached an American. He was saying about how easy it is here. Like, like everybody gets a medal. And over there, it's like they already going to do genetic screenings on the kids before even considering to accept them. Uh-huh. So that there's like that level. And it's because they can do that because it's for the state. In China, it's even worse. In China, it's like they take the kids from the poor neighborhoods, they give them this opportunity, they have to perform well to keep the opportunity to get into the neighborhood, they brainwash them to, to say that, you know, it's all for the, the Republic of China. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with the coaches, it's like they don't get paid unless the kids take first place. So it, it's like, a, it's a very harsh, it's a very hard culture. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is the rejects the people who don't make it are still so beastly that they just do their own shit. That's mm-hmm. why all these like Russian street workout, those are just the failed gymnasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I always say they too. I'm like, so yeah. <laughs> in the first place, they're like, well, now I get to fuck around and I don't have to get beaten when I make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, I, I, I always tell that. Like when I was growing up in Russia, like we had a game. It was a game. It wasn't a let's work out thing. It was like a a game that we had, it was like, let's do ladder pull-ups. Like, I do one pull-up, you do one, I do two, you do two, I do three, you do three. But it wasn't looked at like, a, let's work out. It was just like a game kind of thing. And I feel like you said, there's just like, it's something interesting about these cultures, you know, to me. That it's just like, because American culture is like, yeah. so far from that. Like, it's totally the opposite, I think. You know what I mean? I mean, there's definitely those like, kids that go to like, I don't know, maybe maybe some exclusive private schools or whatever that get get the best kind of training and stuff like that. But the general culture is just different here, I think. Well, even like, even if you look at the words like the title, right, exercise is like something extra. If you just take the word and then mm-hmm. Russian, zaryatka, right, which is like like a charging up. Yeah, yeah, that's a word, zaryatka. Even if exactly. you take like the, the words and the names, it's already embedded in a way that you don't think about it as something extra you have to do. It's mm-hmm. like something that you do to to charge yourself that's interesting right I, 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 I totally forgot about that yeah it literally means to charge yourself up yeah and then there's like rasminka which is like to like loosen up kind of yeah, right like loosen. there's like even in the wording it's really interesting mm-hmm. and you don't think of subtle things like that but words are powerful you say this word thousands of times it, it mm-hmm. yeah, i don't want to get too uh too spiritual or whatever no, but whatever, it, it right? takes on a different meaning yeah it's like like what you call things mm-hmm I'm with you on that. And it's interesting because, I mean, I've never been to China or like any of the Asian countries, but, you know, I live in LA. There's like tons of Asian culture here and stuff. And like, I'll be in the park sometimes and I'll see like an old school, you know, whether Korean guy or, you know, Chinese guy. And he's just doing like the same shit that I remember my grandpa was doing back in the day. And it's like literally the exact same kind of way, you know, just whatever, like hip circles and yep. elbow circles, which That's like, again, shit. Americans like warm up routines. You can always tell like who's an American and who's like yeah. a, a Slavic or like, yeah. like Soviet Union block kind of person, right? <laughs> you can see the difference there. It used, I mean, you've seen that video, whatever, from the from you know like gym class from the '60s, so it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. But then it got, yeah, the culture got soft, too much comfort, and I think that's part of it too. Is uh, you get you get too comfortable and America is a country very much that that's been moving towards comfort. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Soviet Union, China, there's a lot of discomfort. So to live in that discomfort, you have to, but yeah, just like, 
Like, what was it recently? There was that, that thing that if you do 30 squats in the Moscow, you get a free subway ride. Yeah, like yeah, 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 squats yeah, in front yeah. Of the machine. Yeah, so it's like a reward. It's not and – it, and this is because I used to coach gymnastics for a while too. And it wasn't only the Americans. It was, you know, the, the Romanians were doing this too, but I really didn't like that mentality. I remember uh, writing back when there was no algorithm on the internet and you actually got a lot of <laughs> engagement on your posts when I – when people actually read the shit that I wrote, it was this idea that you see like conditioning used as punishment a lot, right? Yeah. And that it's not only the Americans, but you see this a lot in these gyms. Like, oh, you made a mistake. Go climb the rope. Go do 20 push-ups. So mm -hmm. of course they're going to hate it because mm -hmm. they associated that with the negative. And as opposed to like even, you know, I, I wasn't athletic as a kid, but my dad would try to make me do, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and shit. Mm -hmm. And uh and he was – I remember him telling me specifically and I didn't understand it for another 10, 15 years. Like mm -hmm. you're doing this for yourself. You're not doing this for me. Mm -hmm. So when I had – like I was coaching kids. I would never give them conditioning as punishment because it's like you should enjoy getting stronger. And you have to understand that, that this is something you're doing for yourself so you can get better. And it's that mentality. And I had kids that were begging me to climb the rope because they actually liked doing rope climb. Whereas, uh, you know, a lot of these team kids, the rope was always punishment. So they're like, oh, the rope. And mm -hmm. it's just perspective. But it, it's about building that perspective with this idea that this is all good for you mm -hmm. and you enjoy it. Yeah, that's one big difference. Like, I, like you said, here it's like if you're talking too much, it's like, yeah, go climb the rope or go do some of this. And in Russia, it was just kind of like if you talk too much, like, because it's it's funny though, because Americans think it's so different. You know, like the best example of that is Rocky Four. Remember where they were showing like the Russian guy was like getting steroided up and fucking he was like in the laboratory like doing all these weird ass <laughs> exercises, and then Rocky is the one that's like in the woods, like you know chopping wood and like lifting rocks. Where the reality is is like it was a complete opposite way. Like in Russia, it's like everybody was doing that sort of training, and it's like it's not something that was like even kind of cool. It was just like that's how people train. It's just basic stuff. Yep. And, um, yeah, and that's just kind of, so like if you were out of line and you were talking, it wasn't like punishment. It was just people, I think it's just that different mentality. It's just, you were just kind of scared to talk because your teacher yep. would fucking smack you in the head because yep. yep. it's totally normal, you know? It's a different kind in Russia. Are we recording right now? Yeah, brother, go ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're, just, we're just going for it, bro. <laughs> okay. Because this is good shit. I just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's so the, the psychological torture is what it is. It, it's not. Yeah, there's a lot of physical torture, too. But that's what I've seen a lot of these Eastern Bloc countries, mm -hmm. a lot of psychological breakdowns, which, uh, again, I think ultimately the middle ground is the best. Yeah. But in America, it's too much of, oh, you're doing great. You're mm -hmm. doing great. Your kid's a superstar. They totally have a chance mm -hmm. to get into the Olympics. A lot of like over um, over inflation, overhyped, but under deliver. Mm -hmm. And then in, uh, in whatever, Russia, China, a lot of these Eastern countries, it's the opposite. You don't hear compliments. You hear you, you, you are shit. You are a disgrace to the yeah. sport. Not should bad. never come back here again. Yeah, and if it's a compliment, it's like, not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like no, in no, Russian, not bad translation. like articles about this too. Like, not bad is a very high compliment. It's good. Yeah, like when your yeah. coach would be like, not bad. Or like, it's like, fuck yeah, man, we did it. <laughs> so that's... Like, um, yeah, if you're good, something's wrong. And realistically, again, it depends on the coach, but you should... You should, if it's a good coach who actually cares, you shouldn't hear good a lot. Mm -hmm. If you do, then you need to find a coach who cares more about your, uh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and it, all of that area. It's like, it, and you can see that, by the way, recently with like uh, Habib, you know, and his father passed away, rest in peace. Yeah. But, but you can see that, like, in the fights that he was there with him, you can see him. He just kind of gets like he like smiles a little bit, but it's never like my. Remember, um, what's his name? Chris, you, I don't know if you follow UFC. You follow kind of close. You know some of the fighters. Yeah, and stuff. Not, not close. Well, there's another guy, kind of Chris Weidman, kind of a fighter, knocked out Anderson Silva. You know, but his his father was in there. And he was like, "That's my boy, and I love him." You know, whereas Habib's father was just like. He just kind of smiled a little bit and that's it. Like it was good yeah. chop. Like that's yeah. it. So, but I totally agree with you though. You definitely need the middle ground because then it's, it's interesting what you brought up that it's like, yeah, in Russia, I feel like kids are it's crashed. It's too much psychological yeah, breakdown. In Russia, kids um, crash that way. Yeah. And it, it's like, yeah. Too, I, what, uh, again, I, I worked for, um, for Romanian gymnastics, uh, gym owners who came from there and it was like. And this mentality, and the, you know, there's another Romanian coach who even said it. He's like, we just wanted to get out of Romania, and that's why we trained hard. Mm. But the actual, like, training methodology itself is pretty bad. It's just, like everything to failure. Like, you should be crying mm-hmm. all the time because that means you're working hard. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, like, full-on psychological torture that probably for the long term is not good for these kids' health. Yeah. Because then what happens, too, because uh, – um, I never did gymnastics as a kid, so when I met gymnasts, I was like, whoa, tell me all your secrets. Tell me about the training, and a lot of them didn't even want to touch the sport anymore. They're like, they've only been out of it for a few years, and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't really care, mm-hmm. and I think it's part of that. It's this this psychological torture that they endured where it was like, you know, mm-hmm. crying. I'm not saying if, if you want to be a high-level athlete, you're not going to enjoy every training. Yeah, you gotta you're going to get, get your ass you to get through your days. shit days. Mm-hmm. But that's why I don't think uh, competi- like competitive to a degree, but the pressure of competition is probably not healthy for a lot of kids too, for both physical and psychological, in terms of overall development. Mm-hmm. Unless they're training to become a very high-level athlete, which at this point is it's opening them up to opportunities, but also a lot of injuries. And these mm-hmm. days, like the level of high-level athlete in most sports, they pretty much have five years yeah. at their peak. That's about and it. Then, and then they're done. So it's you wonder how what level of that is healthy. Some competition, of course, is healthy because you have something to work towards. Mm-hmm. But what level of that and then what amount of pressure leads to that psychological stress is overall not good for you. And like when I was coaching, I didn't give a shit. Yeah, I was training them for competition, but I didn't give two shits what they did in competition. It's more so that they that they understood their own learning process mm-hmm. and that they enjoyed it. And I knew that if I turned my back or if I left, they would keep working on the stuff because mm-hmm. they like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a really powerful thing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one thing that I for sure noticed, you know, when I moved here, it was like, you'd see kids, you know, cause you do, you, like you said, you do need that balance, but it's like a lot of times here in the States, you have, you have like one kid and he's like the superstar. And everybody wants to suck his dick kind of thing, you know? And like, he just, you know, he like, whatever, let's say it was wrestling, you know, like I did Sambo here too, like judo, like, and he just beats everybody's ass. But then like, he, he never actually gets better, you know? He And if he does, it's like such a slow climb. And then he'll go to some meet, like, especially in like Eastern Europe, you know, like I had some friends that would go to like, um, you know, competition overseas and they would just be like, what the fuck is this? You know, because it's just a different level. Whereas in Russia, it's like something about, I don't know, again, it's just something about the mentality, the cultural difference where it's like you are always pushed to like 
oh no 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 like you're you're good like don't wrestle with that kid he's way too weak for you why the fuck would you do that go go do do it with this guy who's gonna who's yep. like a like a oh, two years older than you and bigger than you yep. you know and and i think that that it is really needed though that's like it's you, important you have yeah. to seek challenge and that and that's something that ultimately should be instilled like your coach should help you with that but it's yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 this idea because, right, it, it comes with getting a lot of memories of coaching kids because I learned a lot about psychology uh, from coaching kids for a few years. Mm-hmm. So sometimes whatever, I would do some exercises in the warm up and I would do some some simple thing and the kids would be like, oh, this is easy. So make it harder. <laughs> like yeah. figure out a way to make it harder. I can help you with that, too. Mm-hmm. But if, if you don't care about it because it's easy, then make it hard. Mm-hmm. It's not that again difficult. another mentally different thing you know but, but then like, what happens uh-huh. when it's hard is they make it too hard and then they quit oh they just give up you mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so so then it's yeah but but this idea of seeking challenge yeah it's a hard thing to do and it's it's also difficult when you get told like oh you're doing great you're the best mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you start to believe that and that's yeah. a very dangerous thing to believe and it's a cliche saying that saying that if you're you know the best guy in the room you're in the wrong room it's cliche yeah. but i think it's fucking yeah. true because it's really yeah. is needed i mean and that doesn't even mean like i don't i don't think that only applies to high level anything you know just like to me it seems like a such a like a life thing right like why would you want to be good like the best at something you know like in your own little pond you know like go get in the bigger pond or go into the ocean and just keep climbing because now it doesn't mean that you need to be the best in the fucking world but it just will improve you no matter what you're doing i think it's really important man yeah yeah you should seek that you should seek discomfort challenge in whatever way and of course there's that fear of failure Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you get that a lot more in the West as well. This idea, I don't want to try something new because I'm afraid I might fail and people might judge me like yeah. gives a f- Yeah, which is funny, right? Because the idea behind that is like the opposite, right? What's like, because what's big here, it's like, don't judge, don't bully. All of that is very bad. Don't do it. And then the funny thing that ends being is that kids judge even more <laughs> whether they admit it or not right they're yeah. doing it no matter fucking what and if you're not and then also kids will pick up on that too right because i've coached kids too like kids are not dumb they will fucking know who's the weakest one in that room they fucking know they yeah. know which one no matter no matter what you tell them no matter if you tell them don't be nice bobby or you know no matter what you say they fucking know and you can always tell because and, and that the same thing happens with like the strongest guy will just go to that weakest guy because he knows i can just i can just you know pummel him do whatever the fuck i want and then everything is going to be all right because he already figured that out yeah man <laughs> well so i wanted to ask you i mean so before you you know got to to the states where originally where are you from? Where did you grow up and uh, where did it all begin? Odessa. Odessa. Oh, wow. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Good spot. Good spot. Have you been back? Nope. No? <laughs> well, you're not it's missing on my much, list. I guess. One of these days. <laughs> you should. You should. Especially now like Crimea because, you know, Crimea is now big part of Russia and now they, made, yeah. they build a bridge over there. So if you want to go visit Russia, you can go to Crimea and Ukraine and all that. It's, it's pretty fun, actually. It's a beautiful area down there, Black Sea and all that. Yeah, for sure. And where did you, I mean, where did you, the you know, fitness or quote-unquote or physical culture i mean what did it start with for you uh honestly it started pretty late like so i was five when i moved to the u.s Mm -hmm. um 
And then I had access to so much food that I didn't have over there. I got a little bit chubby because I just wanted to eat all the food. Like, holy shit, look at all these cakes and burgers and like all, all this shit that I didn't have access to. So I was I uh, really enjoyed food for a while. Mm-hmm. Not that I got fat or anything like that, but I, I definitely got a yeah. little bit more out of shape. Um, and I, I played the typical sports, but I wasn't good at any of them. And looking back on it, it's I'm glad that I wasn't good, that I had no potential because mm. I got the benefit of building different coordination without the pressure of of mm-hmm. the competition, which I think there's a lot of value in that, especially if it's something good. You don't necessarily you want the experience, but you don't necessarily want to pursue it to a mastery level. I think it's good to to not take things to take it seriously enough to do it, but not to take it too seriously. But yeah, I didn't really start getting into it until kind of towards the end of high school. So 16, 17, mm-hmm. and I started getting into just, you know, martial arts and bodyweight strength, old school strongman stuff. And then it mm-hmm. just kept going. Well, that's not really common old school, man. I mean, old school strength stuff is like, I mean, yeah. for the most. Well, amount- I was trying to learn handstands. Oh, so, so it sort of began there already. Started right. Handstands. And at that point. The, I don't even remember exactly where I discovered it, but I, I think it was. <laughs> I was trying to learn handstands or some kind of these other body weight strength stuff, and there wasn't any material on it at that point. So it was like 2004, um, and the only material that there was was these old school strongman books. So mm. the old school, you know, like the Charles Atlas. Uh, wow, that's days, like really old school. That's good shit, seven though, Seven days, I'll make you a man. Uh, I'll add an inch to your chest in, in <laughs> one week, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. that book is just basic body weight stuff, basic calisthenics. Yeah, it's cool. It's good, and that's the stuff that that transcends all the fads and all the uh-huh. time. It's it's just shit that's been done for thousands of years, and that you can continue doing, and that you can do as a as a little kid, yeah. and that you should continue doing as an old man. And that for me was also always a big motivation as well. Like these old dudes that were in shape, like mm-hmm. the Charles Atlas when he was whatever you know seventy years old, he still looked good. Yeah, Jack Lane, like all of these guys. That's a legend. Who, yeah, Jack's a legend, man. They didn't quit their sport and then grow a belly and sit in the chair and become coaches. Yeah. They embodied their practice for their whole life. So that that's always really respectable, and that's to me was a huge motivating force. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know that the jumping jack was is named after Jack Lalanne. Like, uh, I, I tell that a lot to people. They don't even know usually, you know. Yeah, he was but, awesome. Um, he was a hand balancer too. He was doing one arm yeah. handstands and all all this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to this day, there's some great videos out there on YouTube. So yeah. you know, if people want to check that out. I mean, even even some of the diet advice. It was like there's a video of him of his diet advice, and it was just like. You know, just some meat, some eggs, some milk, yeah. and some fruit. Just like the most common sense, normal like, diet, yeah. you know, which these days it's like they, they would make a book out of it and sell fucking 100,000 copies and it would be like blah, 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 yeah. blah, all this same mushy. Sa- same watered down, but even more watered down probably, you know. Yep. So that's good stuff. That's cool, man. And so it kind of just – you just started doing it on your own and just kind of kept training. Huh? Kept going from there. Yeah, I got more into martial arts. I got into capoeira. I got into – in college, I got into a few different things. Got into like cheerleading, weightlifting. Mm-hmm. I know there was a lot of – I and I fell into this um, – this mindset. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did it early enough. The closed mind, because what happens is you you start to build. We, it's something we already discussed. Basically, you start to build a decent level of skill within mm-hmm. your small little area, mm-hmm. and then you, once you're like good at something, you start being closed off to learning new things mm-hmm. that you're not as good at because you start to think, oh, why would I go down to that level of beginner again when I'm already so advanced? And you're like, you're not that advanced. You're advanced within your bubble. 
<laughs> and then, um, so I, I know I hit that mindset a few times and I have some regrets on it because there are certain disciplines that I should have learned that I didn't learn very well because I was closed off to them because I thought that because I could do other stuff, I didn't have to learn this new thing. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the opposite. Now I'm like, the more beginner I am, the better it is. And the more I'm failing, mm -hmm. like the more valuable it is because I, I know I'm learning more. I know that if I'm succeeding, it's I, I need to make it harder. I need to do something so that's else. Your sort of beginner mind, mindset, right? They kind of set, call that that uh, you know you need, you need like a in America, you feel like you need a term for everything. You need like a you know clickbait like yeah. kind of like beginner yeah. mindset. But it's it's a good idea. So I mean, when what was it that you? What was the first thing that you felt like? Oh, I'm the fucking man. Like I got this. Like I'm really good. What was it? What was it for you? So I mean, I mean, in college, so I was doing capoeira for a bit, and then I started learning a few flips, and I could do a few basic flips. And it, you know, at that point, yeah, there were a few people in, in school who could do it, but for the most part, no. So I thought, like, yeah, I can do <laughs> that flips and shit, pretty cool, man. So it, and uh, again, just attitude. It could have been, but it's okay. It's yeah. okay looking back on it now because I'm glad that this happened early enough that I could still learn something from it. Uh -huh. So, for example, right, I, I was doing rings and I was doing some body weight strength. So then I got, um, I started doing the the cheerleading squad and there were, and I could already do flips and I was decently strong with my body weight, but I hadn't touched a weight at that point. Mm -hmm. So we had like we had a weightlifting coach and a routine as part of that that were given because we were division one varsity athletes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I know that first cycle, I was like, I don't need to lift weights. Uh, I can do whatever muscle ups on rings, <laughs> I can do all these pistol squats. And it's not, I, I was thinking like I was already prepared because I could do other shit. And it took a year before I realized, okay, weightlifting is different. There are other benefits that this would give me mm -hmm. that only body weight stuff wouldn't give me. But in the beginning, I was so closed off because of, I guess part of it was the arrogance and part of it was probably the fear of like, oh no, I have to start with a, like with a light weight and out. these dudes around me are lifting heavier weights. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what about my my precious ego? I'm no, I'm going to be the weakest guy in the room. Oh no. <laughs> and then same thing with like some cheerleading, you typically do like the, um, you do the flips and shit, which I was, I was kind of like the, me and this other dude were the only guys who were really doing it. That uh -huh. first year, because the other guys were like pretty big, not not coordinated, going upside down. Uh -huh. So again, I thought I was hot shit because I could already do flips, even though my technique wasn't good. Uh -huh. But my technique wasn't good because at the same time, everyone who I was training with didn't – I didn't know what I looked like because I didn't have a camera. Right. The people I trained with didn't know the difference. So and to I them it looked good, right? So they're like, you're fucking yeah. awesome, like, dude. Whoa, that was sick, man. That was, that's awesome. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm doing Ain't good. that funny? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't even know. I thought my shit was way better than it was. It was innocent. It was just out of ignorance because right, I had right, right. been coached. No hard, and the yeah. people I trained with didn't know enough to, to give me real feedback. So then like the same thing with the, you know, the stunting is when you throw the girls and you lift them up. Mm -hmm. I was very slow to learn that and it was my fault because I was resistant to it because mm -hmm. I thought that I had this other skill set. And I could just do that. I didn't have to learn this new thing when, in fact, that was an opportunity to learn something completely new that I I learned it, but not as well as I could have. Mm -hmm. And I learned it slow and I squandered that learning opportunity because because of my attitude. Yeah, yeah. I had a shitty attitude and that was not the energy that I should have brought towards the opportunity to learn a new skill set. Mm -hmm. But it's OK 
because I can look back on it and now I can learn, learn from and it. now I can identify that mindset and I can slap myself <laughs> when, if I if I get into that. Yeah, man. And I think and I think that's what it separates those, uh, you know, to take it just to bring it back one last time to uh, our little discussion between that Russian, you know, or Slavic, whatever, Eastern European um, difference between Americans. Like, because a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll, you know, I've taught martial arts and um, they'll meet like a, a Russian or whatever, or some Armenian or Georgian, big Georgian hairy guy, you know, and he just does basic shit. But like and they know exactly what he's doing. But that they can't stop his shit at all. Like they don't know what is going on, and I'm like, that's exactly it because he just does the same thing. He 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 does the same thing over and over again. A lot of those schools do that, but like they're doing it and they're doing it and they're working on getting better and better and better and just and still having that mindset, that beginner's mindset, even in the thing that you already know. You know what I mean? Like because that's how you really improve it too. Like not thinking, like you said, like oh, I yeah. just did this backflip is the fucking best backflip ever. Like you know, just do the backflip again and perspective and watch other, like, first of all, yeah, some of, sometimes you, you hear the same shit and you think I already know this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to it again. Yes. Yes. Cause maybe I'm going to pick up something new yes. that I didn't know, even from listening to the same, like Very right, common you're mistake. With the same teachers for a while. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the, the effort a teacher has limits. You're going to hear the same speech a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And you can say, oh, it's this speech. Or you can continue to listen and say, oh, I picked up a new detail that I didn't pick up before, even though I've heard my coach already give that speech a certain number of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's appreciation of the details or appreciation how somebody else teaches it. Yes. Like maybe maybe it's some basic step, some basic move, but you're getting a different approach and a different perspective. And even though it's the same shit you already know, you're learning it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you can learn the same thing over and over again. And then you can you can have that one move, but you cast a wide net of how you understand it. Exactly. And you can, and that, you can like, feel that difference. Like when you have like a martial arts coach, like he'll show you how to do an arm bar. You'll do the arm bar. Then you watch him do the arm bar. You're like, it looks exactly the same. But then have that that coach will do it to you and you will feel like, oh my God, what are you doing? And it's like exactly the same thing, but yeah. the way he does it. So I think like, yeah, I'm getting to a point too where I'm like, it's not like what you do. It's like how you do it. It's like it's how you really do it. And, and that's the mark I think also of like a good teacher and a good student is I've already done this move 10,000 times, mm-hmm. but I learned something new about it. And I, I've had that moment a lot of times in movement like that I've, I've already been doing this movement 10 years and the way you did it, the way you expl- this coach explained it now just opened up a, a completely new perspective of this movement that I didn't even consider, yeah. even though I've been doing the move for 10 years, yeah, but this guy's been doing it for 20 years mm-hmm. and it's the same move mm-hmm. and it looks almost exactly the same, but yeah. it just has that little change of perspective. Yeah. And you can even take that down to like such to anything, I think, really. It doesn't even have to be a complicated backflip or, you know, martial arts move. It can be like like honestly, like that's what the difference is, I think, in like, you know, what when, when when bodybuilding was like a real thing still, you know what I'm saying? Not like the roided up GH guys yeah. that are just, you know, whatever, just when it was a health practice. Yeah, of yeah. Back in those days. That's that's what kind of separated the guys that were great and legends versus the guys that were just doing it, you know. Because, you know, like you can do a bicep curl and you can do a bicep curl. Or you can fucking do the bicep curl. And if you're focusing on the right things, especially if you have a good coach telling you what to do, it'll feel miles different, right? And it's yeah. like, and it's even such a simple, you know, like one joint thing, like a bicep curl, but oh boy, it could really feel different. You can feel the difference if you're thinking about it, right? 
Yeah, yeah there, there's a lot. And I, I'm that's what I'm more into now is rather than the fancy shit is like how deep can you go in the very basic? Mm-hmm. And realistically, if you have a practice that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, you're not going to be doing the fancy shit in 30 years. Mm. You're still going to be doing the basics. So like, I, so I've been getting into film acting and I've been studying that and taking classes. And sometimes like mm-hmm. literally walking two steps and keeping your eyes on one spot mm-hmm. and doing that in a specific way can be the most complicated fucking thing. And it's like <laughs> you're learning how to walk, but it's yeah. not you're doing it in a very specific way with very specific constraints. And it, it's yeah. it's really interesting that that now taking two or three steps can become really complicated. Yeah, yeah, and acting acting actually is a great example of that because, like you yeah. said, it's like some people can do the exact same thing. You well, they would try to do the exact There's same details, thing. And it's just, right, like, and it's not just saying the words; it's oh, not just no. delivering oh, lines. No. And it's not even just like you yeah. know, like do this with your eyebrow. It's like how you do it, the way you time it. I mean, I mean, a good actor is you know a person that understands you know something really deep. I think too, you know, I mean, most actors are not, but <laughs> but the good ones, you know, they they understand a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Yeah, man, and it's interesting to this because coming back to that that idea of like the getting value from the failures and seeking out that challenge mm-hmm. it's this idea too that like some of the, the newbies you know they forget the lines and then they say oh shit I fucked up when actually like that was the most human moment they had was mm. that moment that they were trying to remember their lines and that was like their best acting was mm-hmm. not when they said the lines mm-hmm. was when they were forgotten and tried to remember so th- there's always there's that value in, like the gold and the failures mm-hmm mm-hmm no, I think acting is actually, I mean, if you find a good, legit teacher and a good, legit group, I think it's great for anybody to take us, like, even if you just, you know, work with people in an office, because you learn a lot. You also learn yeah. a lot about yourself. You mostly learn yep. about yourself, you know? Always. Like, well, that, that's, every, that's I, what everything is. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing this? Why, how, why, why did, why yeah. do I do this? You know, you have a lot of those realizations, you know, it's, it's a... It's an interesting thing to study, I think, and um, yeah, man. So you, uh, so you started doing, you know, the body weight stuff, and you got into like handstands. You're saying so, oh, 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 cheerleading and all that, and then uh, you just kept going after college. I kept going. So after college, I got a real job, mm-hmm. um, which was a good experience of how I <laughs> didn't fun. want to live my life. <laughs> so I went to college for physics, which I oh, just wow. kind of picked randomly. It wasn't even like it was like, oh. eh. well, same thing. I, I was seeking challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went one year undecided and then I picked physics because oh, whatever, why not? Wow. It was okay. I learned some things. It sounded cool in theory. Mm-hmm. In practice, it was kind of cool sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did end up getting a job that was related. So I did research in uh, radiation spectroscopy, specifically mm-hmm. neutrons. Was it like related or related kind of where you end up doing it, something completely different? It was kind different. of related. It wasn't mm-hmm. the same thing. So I got a job uh, doing environmental and quality testing on radiation detectors. Okay. It was related to the stuff I did research in. Mm-hmm. It, some days. Some days <laughs> I, was, um, I took a you know, piece of radioactive cobalt, put it in the back of a truck, drove in circles <laughs> to get whatever 100 data points. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said yeah. that. I was like, oh, I, I bet it was nothing to do at all with what so, you studied. So some <laughs> days it was, some days it was that. But it was, it was still related. Yeah. And uh, I was getting paid a lot more than any other job I had. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was a lot of... Um, a lot of corporate, like levels of corporate supremacy, mm. a lot of, you know, misorganization, a lot of, uh, 
mm-hmm. a lot of hours. So I didn't really have time or energy to do the stuff that I wanted to do, even though I was making money. Did you so keep was up like with training experience. somewhat? Did you, did you do mm-hmm. some sort of training in that time when you were doing crazy hours? Almost none Almost because none. it was like 60 to 80 hours a week oh, in an fuck, office or a lab. Oh, wow. so I was a contractor, so I got paid for the overtime. Okay. So but I, did you I have that typical American thing of like, you know, you got a little fat, you kind of got out of shape. Is that what happened? Or or did you did you yeah. kind of keep up with it somewhat here and there? I tried, but it, I went from training five or six hours a day, and, you know, like every day in a number of dis- different disciplines, mm-hmm. working three jobs that were all physical. Mm-hmm. I was 21 when I graduated college. So mm-hmm. I gained 12 pounds that first week on the job. <laughs> of but, course. Because I went from being so active to, to being not active at all. And you oh, know what man. happens in an office? You know, they bring this pack, you know, crate of donuts. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you guys should eat it. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know. I didn't earn them. They're like, oh, but you're so young. You have a high metabolism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you kind of feel guilty because, like, they're, everybody's eating it. You're like, okay, I'm going to fucking eat it. Peer pressure. <laughs> and then that gets – and then sleep time as well. Oh, like, man. That'll fuck you, you up. Know, I was working different shifts. I was working um, the graveyard shift at one point for a short time. So, you know, having a more fucked up sleep schedule. And then it's like, it's like any job. Um, I'm I'm more used to it now, especially now that, you know, film sets. Sometimes you just wait around for for other people to fix shit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's. I feel like that's a lot of jobs. Don't you, don't you think that? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And that there's some point where you're just just they're doing nothing. And makes you question was, a lot of <laughs> reality. What happened with this company? And again, I didn't know because it was my first corporate experience. Like of how dis. Now I understand that's every company. Mm-hmm. But but, but totally. of how disorganized it was, and and how like how many it's like a game of telephone, <laughs> and how many levels it has to go through. And at, at a certain point. They're just throwing money at something to hope a solution happens. It's like mm-hmm. a gamble. Like, so I remember specifically there was one dude, he was a specialist. There was like one test we kept failing, mm-hmm. right? So they hired one dude who was supposed to be some kind of specialist in that specific, like whatever, um, you know, circuit, like circuits uh, and how they react with uh, magnetic fields, something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember they paid him five grand a day. And they hired him as a specialist, and he just watched Top Gear. Like all he did was watch Top Gear on his laptop, and yeah, he had like a really chill attitude. Like, oh, man, no worries, I'm just here. Later, I found out he was getting paid five thousand dollars a day, and I was like, that guy didn't do shit. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and all they're trying to do, they're just trying to throw money at this problem and hope that a solution comes out. And um, I, they were considering, I guess, hiring me on salary. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one guy asked me, like, oh, Yuri, what do you think of the company? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so I gave an honest opinion and they didn't end oh, up Oh, you don't want to do that. Yeah, well, yeah. that's why. There we go. So you don't want yeah. ever want to do that. Nope. Which, again, makes you question the whole reality and, and culture that we're creating with these jobs. But it's it? for the best because then it's like, okay, you're making money, but then what are you sacrificing? And maybe it's worth doing it for a few years. Who knows? Maybe maybe I could have done that for another few years, gotten paid a decent amount, gotten enough money to invest it in something and then quit. And that's not a bad enterprise either necessarily. True. But this idea that you have to do this job for 40 years yeah. and you have to spend so much time in it and you're working for somebody else and you hate your life a lot of that time. And, I don't and know. everybody knows that. That's, yeah. that's to me what's crazy about our, our kind of just overall culture in the world, right? It's just like everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows you're wasting, you're not, you're just sitting back on your chair, fucking doing nothing, getting. 
everybody knows that. Like, why are we all? And we all just kind of like accept it. Like, eh. <laughs> like it's all right. It's part. It's part of the deal. Yeah. So you, you find something. Remember, actually, like Juju Mufu before he got real famous, wrote uh, or he had a YouTube video a few years ago saying like, take less. Like instead of getting a raise, take less hours at your job. Like mm. instead of trying to make more money, get less hours, and you have more time to do shit because that might be more valuable than making more money. Yeah. Well, we're all taught to chase the money, man, the money dragon. So, I mean, what, what do you? So, what, what, you quit. You you uh, said you didn't continue with the job. You just kind of quit and started doing your own thing. It fizzled out. I didn't like tell them I quit, but it was like the contract was up mm. and they didn't need me anymore. They mm-hmm. were considering hiring me for a salary position. They mm-hmm. did take one girl from that who was on the the kind of contractor team, but mm-hmm. well, she was all over than me. Mm. I think she was like late thirties, early forties. I was. 2021 mm-hmm. 22 mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah so they didn't hire me and i was okay with that because uh, at that point i was like oh i have free time now and i have a bunch of money that i didn't have because i was just a poor college student before that mm-hmm. um i got into coaching gymnastics because it was what i was interested in oh cool and i was doing that a little bit uh towards the end of college but then i had to move and i had to take that job I, that job, by the way, took like really short notice. It was like literally within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It was, like on Friday, I got a call saying, "Can you start Monday?" And mm-hmm. I was in in the college in Athens, the college town, which is like Athens, Ohio, huh? Yeah. Oh, cool, man. You know, I live when I moved from like, Russia, like small world, yeah. man. I moved to Columbus, so I was pretty close to you. So I lived in mm-hmm. Ohio too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the job was in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and basically, it was like on Friday, I got the call saying, "Hey, can you start Monday?" Mm. out of nowhere so it was just random kids right it wasn't like professional whatever kids trying to be olympians in the future or, or what kind of gym was it oh who i was coaching mm-hmm. um okay yeah, so, so oh that jo- that- i'm sorry so that was for the f- what you're talking about that was for the uh for your physics that was job for the um for the the whatever the for the real job <laughs> okay you know the gymnastics thing uh-huh. that was just something i, I figured i had i had some money saved up now because i did that job for a year or so a little mm-hmm. bit less than a year um and I figured that's what I was interested in, and I wanted a place to train. Uh, so I figured, yeah, I applied to a couple places. There was one that I ended up working at for like two and a half years, and that was kind of the opposite. It was getting paid a lot less, mm-hmm. but the, the job was more physical, which I liked. Um, it was part-time. So it was like 25 hours a week or something. So there was time to train, and then there was a location now to train. So it was – I was making a lot less money, but Mm -hmm. um, it was better for my psychology. Mm -hmm. It was less, it was stressful in its own way, but it was less stressful because I had time to do the stuff that I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Um, Yeah, so I did that for a few years. And then at a certain point, my original thought was actually to move to LA to do stunts Mm. uh, because I had a friend who I used to train with in Ohio who did that. And he struggled for a few years and then got in and, and did pretty well. Yeah, still doing um, it to this day? I believe so, yeah. I haven't talked to him in a bit, but yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and did you get to chance when you were training in the uh, gymnastics gym or coaching, I guess? Um, did you Were you around like other adult gymnasts there too or, or what? Well, that that's kind of the disappointing thing too is that like a lot of these adults, <laughs> what happens is that and again, no disrespect. We all make our own decisions, and I'm not trying to say this in any kind of disrespectful way. A lot of the adult coaches 
aren't in shape because like they mm. used to do gymnastics and they just kind of do this. Um, there was one guy who was very motivating to me because he was that uh, that ex Olympian guy I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So he's this you know sixty year old Russian dude still in shape. Oh. didn't doesn't train gymnastics anymore, but still like like you look at him and he looks good. And when he does a movement, you get tell that he's done that movement ten thousand times. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. The adults usually not in most of these gyms I work at it's usually like the adults kind of once they start coaching they kind of get into that attitude of uh, I used to be a gymnast mm-hmm. I can spot I can coach but they don't really stay in shape the same way um, ain't that funny then, right because it's like because yeah. so, you don't want to I don't want to be the guy that's like judging people by by their cover you know as they say yeah. but like at the same time it's like I feel like you just, you know, it's like with anything, like, I don't know, being a fighter, like if you don't do it for a while, you really don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. Yeah. You, you, well, you kind of do, but not as much as you did before. Sorry. Even the younger people, even people who are more my age, because they were ex, because the thing is, I wasn't an ex-gymnast, so I was really into it, mm-hmm. but they were ex-gymnasts, so they're like already, they already quit being athletes. So yeah. It's like they, they messed around, you know, the, the younger people would. Sometimes you would. You would have people who are still training pretty hard. But a lot of times the younger people, they would fuck around, but they wouldn't necessarily train as seriously because mm-hmm. they're already ex-athletes. And an interesting thing you say, too, because you have to be relevant. I remember reading a story a while ago of a, a guy who's a jiu-jitsu black belt, and he's like, I got my black belt 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. The game is different now. I'm not in as good of shape as I used to be because of yep. life. I'm demoting myself to a purple belt because my 10 years ago oh, black wow. belt is equivalent to a modern day purple belt. Mm-hmm. So I don't earn the title that I have. So yeah. it, it's an interesting thing to think about this idea of being current. Because totally. same thing, some of these gym owners that I worked for, I'm not going to name, <laughs> name any names, <laughs> but some good. of the places where sometimes, you know, some of them had good attitude, good energy. And, and one place in particular I worked at did not have a very good energy. And part of it was because the owners were like, well, we were gymnasts 20 years ago. So we know all there is to know. It doesn't matter that I'm not in shape now because I was an athlete 20 years ago and there's nothing that I could possibly learn from anyone else. Yeah, yeah. That's... It's a really shitty attitude to have. Yeah. And it's also that idea of like. When I'm here, I'm gonna let everyone know that I'm the owner. Like, <laughs> like talking to everyone in a condescending yeah, it's an ego thing. I hate that kind of energy. Yeah, man. But you and, see that even with people who aren't like high level anything, you'll see that in the gym. You know, the fucking that one dude that everybody knows that like slams the deadlift bar down after the each small deadlift. Small dogs that bark the loudest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got like 405 on there, and he's oh my god, you know. And it's just it's so funny, but it. Uh, I, I know, man. It's such a. It's, I guess it's an ego. I, I think so, people are so pressured, though. I just think these days, people are so fucking pressured from so many, so many external things. You know, you got, you got this. You got the the house. You got the wife. You got that. You got your job. You fucking now the election is happening. Oh my god, we're all gonna die. You know, it's just like oh my yeah. god. So I feel like they want to validate. Maybe, maybe they want to make themselves feel better. You know, by going into the gym and slamming the weights and everybody looking at them like, oh my god, like good job, you fucking did it. Wow, bravo, sir. You know. Yeah. I don't know where it comes like, from. And it's it's interesting. So this the same gym. I work, yeah. I, I worked there for about two years because it paid the bills. Um, but I was happy that that was one place that I actually like quit and I was happy about quitting. <laughs> Gave him the two week notice out of nowhere. I'm like, yep, I'm moving on to other shit. But it's, it's the same thing. So when they hired people, I yeah. think part of it was liability because um, before I got hired, there was a guy that got hurt. 
He was like, because um, in Vegas, they do hire some circus performers who do train. But I know, like, I would kind of get looked down upon by the owners for training. And I'm like, I'm trying to set an example for these fucking kids. Wow. Like, I'm working five hours doing physical job. I'm coming in half an hour to train mm-hmm. and then staying until you kick me out to train more because that's what I want to do. And I'm trying to set an example for these kids. Like, I would rather they see that I'm doing stuff for myself. That's fucking but it, crazy. it was really interesting, too, because they would hire, like, the fattest, most out of shape people who were the most out of touch with these kids that they were coaching. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of that was you could control them more mm-hmm. because it, it's harder to control someone who's like actually using the equipment. <laughs> exactly. Right. Because because you know that if they're if they're overweight, and I, again, I'm not trying to talk shit. It's just like right. this idea uh, yeah. of be what you're trying, you know, set the example, yeah, right? Practice yeah. what you preach. Like you and said, you they, don't need to be the fucking, yeah. you don't need to be the coach that's in there doing a thousand pull-ups. You just do a couple sets, you know? Like, that's what I say. I've had the best experiences with coaches too, where like my martial arts coaches too, where like, he's not like, he doesn't look shredded and he's not like fucking, you, you know, he's just like doing a thousand push-ups, but he goes in every practice we finish. He does three sets of 10 pull-ups, three sets of 10 push-ups, couple of squats, some abs and goes home. Every workout, yeah, every workout, those guys, you're like, and he's been doing that, like you said, his whole fucking life and he will yeah. keep doing it. Those are, we don't need anything crazy. You're not asking for anything crazy and we're not talking shit. Like you said, right. it's just, you just want to some sort of like, yeah, stay relevant with yeah. me, man, because you, you got to know how I feel. I guess it was liability partly. I, again, I'm just trying to read perspectives like, okay, they had before I got hired, um, a guy who was working there who I replaced towards Achilles doing some tumbling on the job. Oh, so shit. now they're scared. Liability. <laughs> I think part of it was like, well, if we hire someone who's not in shape, they're probably not going to do stuff while they're coaching. They're probably just going to be sitting. Yeah. So then we don't have to run through this risk uh, of somebody getting hurt on the job. Well, that shit happens, right? That's why you have insurance. That's why sign waivers and all of that. But it, it was, it sucked for me because then everyone, like all my coworkers, they didn't care about the same things I cared yeah. about. So how yeah. are you going to, build a team when they're all they, they don't care about the same things and every time they had a choice between hiring someone who was like in shape and actually cared mm-hmm. compared to someone who was more out of shape and was just doing it like whatever for the money mm-hmm. they would always choose the latter and it's like why it, that's disappointing it's disappointing for me because it would be cool to have co-workers that that care about the same shit i care yeah. about and by the way, those kids would be way more excited about having you as a coach if they see you doing stuff like that. Can you imagine? Absolutely. Kids, kids walk in and they see three coaches like tumbling and or doing whatever. Yeah. They're gonna be like, "Oh my god!" You know, they're gonna get excited and join and in. From a technical standpoint, these these overweight coaches—they don't really know how to coach because they they haven't done this shit in 10, 15 years, mm. right? It's like, okay, you were a, a gymnast when you were 15 and now you're 30 and you haven't done any of the movements since like you, you barely remember what you got coached to do. You Mm -hmm. can't do it anymore. So the, to some degree from a technical standpoint, I also have to deal with like, if I want the kids to learn real skills, mm-hmm, real physical mm-hmm. skills, and then they're rotating through these other, I'm not trying to say like I'm superior, but, right, but I have to fix other people's shit because they're out of, <laughs> they're out of fucking touch. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's a fr- well, I got really good at fixing things really fast, mm-hmm. but, but it's well, gave me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So that was a good, yeah. you know, in a way it was a kind of a blessing There's for you, right? Standard. Yeah. Yeah. And then I want the the kid that I coach to have the similar standards to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but it, it's how it goes. Yeah, it's a real, you know, it's funny, right? Some of the best, those like ex-best 
gymnasts or any coaches, right? They, or not coaches, but, you know, athletes that, like you said, get to that point. They make some of the worst fucking shitty coaches, don't they? <laughs> well, you have to learn how to teach. And sometimes they think that if uh, they don't realize it's a separate skill mm-hmm. and they say, yeah, I, I used to be an athlete. But but as an athlete, especially like gymnastics specifically, you're trained to be a soldier. You're not trained to understand it mm-hmm. because if you question it, it's going to take longer to learn it and you're going to fuck up more. Yeah. The assumption and hopefully the idea is that the coach knows what they're doing. The kids shouldn't understand it. The kids should just follow. They get put through these positions. They learn it through muscle memory. They bypass the conscious learning process. Mm-hmm. And this is how you build these Olympian athletes. Mm-hmm. It takes 15 years at least, and it takes 15 years with the right genetic potential, with the right timing, with a coach who understands not that what we're doing now is for something we're going to use five years down the line. So that does take a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> but um, um, that's yeah. it. You know, it's a. So I mean, what do you think? What do you think about some of these, um, you know, coaches now? Like, you know, uh, there's Coach. All oh, right, learning how to coach. Learning. Yeah, how to yeah, 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 yeah. It, it it's it's a skill. It's a skill that takes years. It's a skill that every time you do it, you should be learning something new because everybody learns differently. Mm-hmm. And and being able to do something is it's a good start, but it's not a guarantee mm-hmm. that you know how to teach it. And in reality, the best teachers are not the best athletes or practitioners. Yeah. They should be able to do this skill. You should practice what you preach. But if somebody is at a very high level, there's a good chance that they under, because they understand the movements for themselves, mm-hmm. which is good, but understanding how to do the movement for yourself and how to apply that knowledge to somebody else's learning process. Mm-hmm. Those are two completely different things. And that's, it's a completely separate skill set. It's a communication. It's uh, a troubleshooting because it's like this. I, in my mind, I have this image of what I'm trying to teach you. I'm going to explain it to you the best that I can. You're going to do it differently because it's a game of telephone and you've interpreted what I've said based on your own filters and your own experiences. And then I see what you do wrong and then I explain something else. And then eventually we get where you have a very similar image of what I tried to give you. Mm -hmm. The better I am as a teacher, the more I can anticipate. So that's why I try to train different disciplines as well because I say, okay, I'm teaching a dancer. I've taken a few years of dance classes. I was never good, but that doesn't matter. I understand Mm -hmm. the I understand how they train, how they're used to training, so I can apply that and I can explain the same skill to a dancer in a very specific way that they're going to get a more clear picture of it. And if I'm teaching a weightlifter, I'm going to explain it in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And if I give the dancer the weightlifter explanation, they're going to be lost and vice versa. But it, that that's a, a really important part. It's of a really that important point. That, and teaching. what you were point sh- talking at is like uh, it, it matters who you're teaching, right? Yeah. Right. Like, which is one of my biggest pet peeves in like sort of like the fitness industry. Um, you know, you'll have these like guys, like these coaches, guys, and they'll you know they'll I don't know be on their fucking Instagram or whatever doing you know these doing these huge pla- having these huge platforms, and they'll tell you like all my athletes do this and all my athletes do that. And I'm like, well, you know what, man? Like it doesn't, just because it works for your fucking athletes, these guys who are genetically gifted, they've been doing this shit since they were four years old. They came out of their mother's womb just doing pull-ups, you know? They're savages. Like 
it really doesn't mean it's going to work for the average person. And it also doesn't mean that the average person should be even doing any of that just because your athletes do that. Like it really doesn't. And it's, yep. it's such a pet peeve of mine because in the fitness industry, industry is so common. And that applies to with like even diet and supplements too. You know, it's like my athletes have 300 grams of protein a day. And it's just like, okay. And what the, f- that doesn't mean anything. So like, I, I'm really always like cautious. I'm always telling people like, pay attention. Like you, you're not an athlete. And it's not saying it like to demean you. It's just like, you're not an athlete. And you, why why do you have to train like an athlete? You, why don't you train like the accountant that you are and you can still get in great shape and do whatever the fuck you yeah. want to do, right? It's important. And it's, yeah, it's just making those, per, and it's it's perspective and it's understanding like why you're really training. And if you want to get to a high level of the skill, that's cool. That's a decision you make for yourself, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. And realistically, if you're just training for overall health, you don't have to be at a high level of anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and it's understanding that it's understanding that it's not it's not a superior like just because someone's at a high level of fitness doesn't make them superior. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. they, they've taken one decision and they've gone with it. And also but, some of yeah. those superior athletes, I mean, some of them. Well, not even some. I think many of them do the stupidest shit ever, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of times it's not even right. It, it's either genetics or steroids or whatever. And the, yeah. what I see a lot of in very high level circles is the athletes are successful not because of their training, but in spite of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, very true. <laughs> I'm so like yeah, and then you take any professional athlete. It's basically what it is. Like they can get run over by a truck and still go because it's just that genetic potential. Like what was it? I don't know. So like the NBA players have to be on lot. Like they can't leave the compound because of COVID and they have to like, these guys are mutants. They like, they fart that shit. (laughs) They don't give a fuck. Yeah, man. Cause a lot of times you'll see like, like you'll see like Floyd Mayweather doing some of the dumbest. He does. I mean, again, he's I think I have respect for him because I think he's one of the greatest boxers ever, but he sometimes does the, this videos of him just doing the dumbest things ever, you know? And then people watch that and they're like, well, I, if I do that, it'll make me better. And it's like, you have to really understand that, like you said, he's not getting better and he's not great because yeah, of that. It's in, not that he's great that. because he's been training for that many years and he's had good coaching and he started young. Yep. It's a combination of luck and talent and mm-hmm. work ethic and coaching. And it's that. Yeah. And, and doing the, the same exercises as him is not going to get the same results. No. And, and even and that's what I tell people, too, because people ask me, like, oh, what's your diet like? What's this and this and this? I st- I'm still figuring it out for myself. Mm-hmm. And remember that if if you took the same life as me and you did all of the same things as me, you still wouldn't get the same result. It won't, yep. Even yep, if you yep. did everything the same. Yeah. Well, in spite of that, though, what's your diet like these days? Where are you at <laughs> currently? <laughs> um. I, I, I cook. I think the main thing is to be versatile and to be able to cook for yourself. So I don't follow any specific diet. I think it's best not to be too strict because we live again coming from communism. It's like <laughs> like my grandparents grew up in a time when there was no food. Yeah. Right. So it's like, of course, a grandma wants to feed you until you yeah. can't eat anymore because <laughs> there is food available. And that wasn't always the case. So I think. I think it's important to know what works for you. I think it's important to be able to cook for yourself, mm-hmm. uh, like knowing the ingredients of the food. I'm pretty picky on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like high calorie foods because they're delicious. So, you know, a lot of butter, a lot of fats. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the more old school you can get, just like, you know, cooking shit in an iron pan, whatever, you know, eggs, meat, a big sourdough bread, mm-hmm. whatever rice and beans i like my raw honey i like my sweets i try to make them as clean as possible but they're delicious 
I'm not trying to stay single digit body fat. It's not something that I like really care about. Mm-hmm. So I'm not counting calories or anything like that. I'm uh, I try to eat intuitively. I try to do some fasting here and there. So I usually I just don't eat breakfast. I don't eat until kind of late afternoon, and I try to get some kind of movement in before that mm-hmm. most days. So some fasting. Um, I usually eat a pretty big dinner. Like mm-hmm. that's my biggest meal. I eat that pretty late at night. And that that's just kind of a habit I developed uh, after coaching gymnastics because I wouldn't I would coach till like 830. Busy. I would train for mm-hmm. another half hour hour. So I might not get home until 930 or 10 mm-hmm. and I would eat. So I did that for a few years. I just got used to that. Um, I, yeah, I, I love that that, that not, you said cook for yourself because that's not like that's I've never heard anybody almost say that and give that advice. You know, I mean, yeah, I had one other cook everything from scratch. Yeah, it makes such a huge difference. Regularly made, even just doing that is already going to make you healthier because you have to put effort into mm-hmm. in, into the, what you the ingredients and then also probably a bit of like pseudoscience metaphysical bullshit, but, but I'm going to say it anyway, cause I'm open to all suggestions. I'm open to all beliefs. Love it. Right. There was, there was that anecdote of uh, Niles Bohr had a, the, the science, the physicist who, um, mm-hmm. who figured out the structure of the atom. There was a story where he had a horseshoe like in his office mm-hmm. and someone asked him like, surely a man of science doesn't believe that a horseshoe brings good luck. And he's like, personally, I don't. But I was told that it brings good luck even if I don't believe in it. <laughs> so so this idea, I remember reading it somewhere like people, some kind of study where people got less fat when they ate food prepared by humans instead of by machines. Mm-hmm. Like not even looking at the calories, not even looking at the ingredients of the food, like just that people made it. Yeah. So this idea that you put energy into creating something, and I'm really big on this idea of kind of creating versus consuming, that could be anything. That could be so many things, mm-hmm. but that's one thing where you have an actual balance, right? You you create and you consume, and that's its own balanced thing because you create. Obviously, it's better if you actually grow your own food, but that's another right. level of commitment. But it, it's this idea that when you consume, you take away. You don't put in work. You, you take somebody else's work, but if you're consuming your own meal, then you've already balanced your creation consumption. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's it's with a lot of things. It's like if I'm watching a show on Netflix, I also want to be able to produce some videos, to produce some content. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be something you put out there. It could be just writing something down in your sketchbook. But that's something that I try to follow is having that ratio mm-hmm. of creation versus consumption. So you're not too heavy one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, honestly, man. I mean, and even well, even even if consuming, if somebody made the meal for you, right? Like, just something about it. Like, if your mom makes your meal, I mean, everybody loves their mom's cooking, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. There's something to it, right? Where it's like, oh, my mom cooked it for you, for me, and it's just like it's the best, right? Yeah, and, and there's a reason that you try to make the same recipe and it doesn't turn out the same way. Exactly, bingo. There's something <laughs> about like has been making compote for for forty yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> there you, you go. Try to do it the same, but it's not the same. Yeah, man. Yeah. And even, and you know what? I, I'll even say like, even if it's not a great like recipe, like my grandfather was really big on, you know, Salo, you're Ukrainian. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Ukrainian pig fat, you know, it's like our version of bacon, but there's no bacon. It's just fat. And he yeah. would make, you know, like an omelet with Salo and just a lot of fucking onion. And that's it. Like, it's not a creative, 
but it would be like the best fucking omelet I'd ever have in my life. You know, just put some eggs in there and something about it, man. You know, it's, it's, I, I'm totally with you. So I don't know. Well, it, it's an interesting thought too, about like, what was I eating? Zephyr, which is like a dessert oh. that I love. And it's mm-hmm. just pure sugar, whatever yeah, with yeah, some egg yeah. whites. And I was thinking like, this it's... food has no nutritional content and I know I'm going to eat the whole pack. But mm-hmm. this food has uh, emotional nutrition, yeah, because it's, it's a that food that I associate with positive emotions. Yeah, man. And it like obviously I, I shouldn't be eating that every night because it's a, it's a shitload of fucking sugar. Mm-hmm. But but I and I'm, in terms of diet, I'm with that like not being too strict. Kind of eat you know follow the Jack Lane. The eighty percent of the time you should be following something where you're eating foods that are nutritionally dense, mm-hmm. depending on your lifestyle and all of that. That is something you should follow. But that idea of the the emotional value of food is mm-hmm. something, right? Because our our senses are linked to our emotions, and smell and taste are really big ones for memory. Totally, even like the most like you said unhealthy food that you know. Yep. It's funny though, right? When you were a kid, like you weren't thinking about any of that shit. You just ate it if you liked it, and you didn't when you didn't, and like, like you didn't think twice, right? And like you 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 you, you know, like I'm saying like it gave you pleasure, right? Like you know what yep. I mean? Like it's really important, I think. So many, I'm so tired of seeing these poor ladies that are like, you know, like these fitness chicks that are just like, you know, they're dieting fucking nine months out of the year all the fucking time, just drained, you know? And it's just like, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if this is a way to live, you know, just, just to look it depends good. Depends if it's worth it. it and it, it's all decisions to make. Is it healthy long term? Does the, does having the visible abs outweigh the, the, <laughs> well, know, the, a lot the, of the other abs? things. <laughs> yeah. For some people it might. And if it does, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then also think, I, I always try to get into this mindset too of, uh, like kind of worst case scenario, what if the thing that you rely on that creates your identity fails? What if, what if you're based, what if your whole identity was based on having abs mm-hmm. and then I don't know, like again, worst case scenario, let's say you get in a car accident mm-hmm. and you can't train for a few months. And of course you gain some weight because it happens. So then what if you didn't have that? Would you have enjoyed your life more mm-hmm. if you never had that in the first place and yeah. you just like say tomorrow Instagram shuts down. Enjoy life. Yeah. How many of those Instagram model chicks, like, well, how are they going to be? Like, are, is it going to just ruin their life completely? You think? Like, I mean, are they going to wake up and just be like, oh my God, you know? There's or, a lot of deep psychology within that. I, I think that's why for me, I like to cast a wide net mm-hmm. and learn new things. Because, like, well, this happens with bodybuilders, right? Because mm-hmm. what, what happens, right? They're in that competition shape. They look amazing. They're fucking ripped. They get on stage, even though they're depleted and they've spent months depleting themselves, <laughs> yeah. which overall is really unhealthy. Like yeah. that, you know, the old school guys, Arnold Franco Colombo, they peaked once a year because mm-hmm. they knew how much stress it was mm-hmm. to to do that. And that's why they only did it once a year because they were able to maintain that. But then, yeah, what, what happens? You get older, you get injured, you get a little bit fatter. Are you just going to try to hang on to who you used to be and just have this picture like – Look at how ripped I used to be. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to work on something else that gives you a new identity? And it, it's something that I've gone through as well because I, I fucked up my hand this year and I couldn't – haven't really been able to do handstands for the majority of the year. Oh, wow. And that was a thought that I had. It was like, well, if I've built my whole identity on this and people know me as this, what if I – worst case scenario, I can never do it again? Is that who I want to be or do I want to learn new skills and pursue something else? And then I have the option of of building a new identity, of reinventing myself. And it's, it's just that attitude of um, 
Yeah. Is it worth it? Is the sacrifice? And ultimately the Instagram thing, it's what you're presenting. So it's not even real. Yeah. Like it's not even right. People selling diet plans when they're going on steroid cycles. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and also whether you like it or not, whether you're ready or not, it's going to come at some point that you're going to change because you're just, we all know you're going to get old, right? You're, you're not, no matter how much you try to hold on to your abs, you are going to lose them eventually. Yep. So like whether, you know, whether something tragic happens all of a sudden or not, like, you know, there's no way out, homie. So yeah, it's a good thing not to get too entangled into this like one idea of who you are. I think I'm with you on that. I think a lot of people suffer because they get so attached to that idea of like, I know who I am. And it becomes like, a pressure of like of continuing because you build, let's say on the internet, you build this following and then there's some expectation that you have to continue to do totally, that. And totally. then people have this image of you like, oh, Yuri is the handstand guy. He does handstands. They're like, mm-hmm. I haven't done any handstands for a year except for the, the things that I did to specifically take photos mm-hmm. or when I was teaching, which was as minimal as possible because I'm trying to consider my long-term health and trying to get over this shit that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, again, yeah, this idea of like, what did I present? Is that the identity that I presented as just someone who's upside down all the time? I still enjoy it. I mm-hmm. still enjoy teaching it. Uh, I'm feeling better, still have a bit of recovery to do, but hopefully I can come back. But it, it's like, yeah, this idea of, is that why people follow me? What if I don't? Yeah. What, what if, or what if I've just been doing it so long that I'm disenchanted with it? Like when I was starting out, nobody was teaching handstands and mm-hmm. now everybody's a fucking handstand teacher. So I, I now I feel <laughs> so like true. my voice isn't even heard because somebody better looking than me with better abs is going to say it louder. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the type, like, I'm not going to yell over somebody else. I don't give a shit, right? I, I'm mm-hmm. doing it for myself. If I write an essay and nobody reads it, I got the experience of writing it. And if somebody reads it, good, I'm happy. But mm-hmm. if you don't, yeah yeah there's a slight disappointment but at the same time it's like i got that experience because i got to put my own thoughts on paper it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thought but it's very difficult for some people you know and i just i I, i'm totally with you on that you know like even like friends who are just like i don't know let's say they get one tattoo and then they get two tattoos and they get three tattoos and they get like 50 tattoos and then they think like oh my they're getting all this attention for their tattoos you know and again like you're gonna look ugly at some point you you just are whether you like it or not you're gonna lose this thing so like you know i'm not saying don't get tattoos kids i'm just saying you know what i mean like i just think the i think those people that are doing this same thing over and over and over they're like digging their ditch deeper they're attaching themselves to this idea like trust me i know who i am bro try to find different ways to be interesting yeah yeah challenge yeah it's 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 new experiences and it's interesting like uh, again, trying to if I'm taking a class, I'm not coming in with this identity of I have this many followers and I teach whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just there as myself. And to, for some to some degree, it's better if people don't know that because then I can have like that clean slate. But then there's the opposite, right? There's people who have to like say they're, oh, I've done this and this and this when they're in a new place. Like yeah. you said, like the slamming the weight down, like giving that validation I don't know. I don't need it. I, I've always followed. I'm, I'm a big fan of the the Teddy Roosevelt, the song <laughs> and carry a big stick. Love it. It's like, if you know your shit, you shouldn't have to say it loud. Yeah, man. I'm with you on that. So how how did you deal with your uh, injury? What happened? Did you do something bad? And how, how'd you deal with it? it? It's something, it's complicated because it's neurological in nature. So I've had uh, focal dystonia in this left hand for a long time, like wow. 20 years almost. Developed it, I'm assuming, after I played piano. 
Mm. Um, it, it's it's common among musicians. It's basically like an overactivity in the brain where it creates uh, either involuntary contractions or muscle spasms at certain times. Sometimes it's during activities. Sometimes it's just in general. So again, it's something I've been dealing with. Uh, it's it's pretty complex. Because the Western solution is to inject Botox, basically, or do brain surgery, yeah. which are both <laughs> nothing. Sounds I good. Would <laughs> yeah, but the the real solution is that you have to retrain the brain, and it's like retraining a habit, which is very difficult. It's very difficult training. So I don't know. One of the many gifts of 2020, um, I hit this point <laughs> where. Um, like my fingers were numb in the morning and this hand, I have control over it, but sometimes it wants to tense up. This is what it wants to do. Hmm. And I don't always have complete control over that. It's better when I'm not conscious of it. And as soon as I get conscious, so it, it's really complicated shit like that. Yeah. And people, scientists still don't understand it. They mm. still don't understand how it works because it, it has a, a lot of deep psychology and, and kind of deep uh, internal brain workings. Mm -hmm. but so have you have you done anything that has gave you somewhat some relief or some someone helped you well, I've, I've, it's lifestyle changes yeah. but okay right so so what happened this year because again this is something i've been dealing with for a long time uh and it, it's been giving me some trouble but i've been able to compensate i've been able to manage i can still do one arm handstands on my left arm i just i could never push with these two fingers at the same time but hmm. i did it enough that i could make compensations with the technique and still be able to do it. But yeah, one of the many gifts of 2020, I don't know what brought it about, maybe too much travel, too much other stress. It hit this point where when I was sleeping, the hand wouldn't relax. It would actually contract in my sleep. So it got super inflamed and I was waking up and I'd have to like pry my hand open. So that was uh, a thing oh. for a few months and I couldn't, this was a flexibility I've always had and I've only recently gotten it back mm. this degrees at the fingers and I couldn't do that for a, about six months of the year because my hand would literally when I was sleeping it would make a tight fist and I couldn't control that so wow. there's there's coordination exercises that you do there's lifestyle changes that you make just like always being aware of it and not letting yourself make those compensations which is very very difficult like a, a book that i read talked about rehabbing stroke victims mm -hmm. and they talked about how pretty brutal actually they did studies on monkeys where they would sever uh connections of the brain yeah yeah i, I and, read that too they're chopping their heads and uh -huh. brain would create new pathways only if they were forced so if it was so if a monkey really interesting like deep shit right so so if the monkey if they would sever the part of the brain that connects to this monkey's left hand mm -hmm. and just let it go the monkey would um, get a more powerful connection with their right hand and their left arm would never work mm -hmm. if they did the same thing and put their other their good arm in a sling they would have to make new connections and learn how to how to bypass that connection that was cut to be able to use their other hand because they didn't have the connection with their good hand. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like like forcing. So that's one of the rehab methods as well is just forcing yourself to do more tasks with that other hand and not allowing and then being very careful of the compensations that you make and not allowing it. It's really like I said, I, I have been making progress. So okay. It's a slow progress in March. You March, couldn't do anything, huh? I was afraid to put my fucking hand on the floor. Wow. I could 
to do it. I couldn't hang from a pull-up bar because mm-hmm. I, I lost control of these wow, two fingers. Um, so I got a specific hand loop so I could still do pull-ups without gripping. Um, I, I'm, I'm not 100% now. And I know I went shooting yesterday and I aggravated a little bit because of how I was gripping the gun because that's still kind of a new thing for me. Mm. But it's a lot better. Like I, I can do some handstands now. So you're getting on your hands now, yeah? Well, it's yeah. getting there. I'm still careful about the volume. I don't want to do too much, but it's feeling more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I can hang from a bar much better. I'm getting the grip strength back. I'm getting the coordination back. But it's it's like – it's you have these workouts that you do these coordination exercises but then the other thing is that light like you always have to keep like you have the stove you always have to keep a back burner on of <laughs> activity because retraining the, the brain gets really set in its pathways so mm. retraining that is a super complicated thing and i'm still learning again i, I just you know i read a couple books i um there's one guy, uh, the, a doctor who specializes in dystonia, mm-hmm. who had an online um, series of courses that I did. A lot of good stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a very individual process. It's not something that you can treat by saying everybody needs to do these exercises. Mm-hmm. It's like the exercises are a basic template, but it's it, it's yeah. really understanding the root cause and what causes it to get worse how to create uh, relaxation and safe space in which you can relax. There's a lot like, and this thing, the hand dystonia specifically is pretty common in musicians. And again, that's, I don't know specifically. Yeah, Incubus is, um, uh, Incubus is guitarist. Got it. Um, I can't remember his name, Mike something, but, um, yeah, doing all those repetitive, these small repetitive. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and plus, you know, touring and I mean, you're playing concerts every day. I mean, it's fucking stress is part of it too. Like why did this year it get worse for me? Well, I could have been the, you know, touring that I was doing. I was doing travels with a lot of other shit going on. Mm -hmm. So it could have been just a compound of stress and and a few other factors. Combination of things. But I mean, generally, like if you have like some sort of, I don't know, you hurt your shoulder a little bit. Any any special kind of specific protocols you're into or yeah, I don't know. Oh, so many. Yeah. (laughs) Layers and layers of protocols. (laughs) Depends. Because uh, what it comes down to is just being developing this sensitivity over your own body. So you kind of know what you need. If you're good, you can kind of nip it in the bud, so to speak. Like you'll get these signals and you can do what you need to. So I do whatever, like basic every morning I wake up and I do uh, a routine of different joint rotations. And in the ideal world, I shouldn't have to do any extra prehab or rehab or flexibility work because I incorporate it into my life. But we have different stresses, different shit going on. So shoulders specifically, again, it depends. But so interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. I feel today. And yesterday it wasn't as bad. Today it's a little bit worse. This left shoulder is a little bit out of the socket. It happens. I I, um, I had loose shoulders mm-hmm. for a long time when I was a kid. So one of these sometimes – and the last few days were pretty stressful for me as well because I was doing um, – I don't even remember I was doing. I was doing <laughs> stunt class and then rehearsal and then I was doing stunts for a TV show pilot. And that it, it's a lot of standing around and then doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I, uh, I fucked up my foot on set a couple of weeks ago as well, also doing stunts for <laughs> so different you're all reasons. fucked up right now, man. <laughs> I'm all fucked up right now. But okay, so today my left shoulder wasn't feeling good, uh-huh. right? It's feeling like it's out of the socket. I have a lot of tension in my pec, and I have um, a pretty big knot 
here that was bigger than it was before. So what am I doing? I'm going to do my um, some soft tissue release all around the shoulder. I'm going to roll on balls. I'm going to do throughout the day just a lot of different movements. I'm going to do my stretches mm-hmm. with the rubber band. So using some of those workout. like lacrosse balls, you do like all that stuff, right? Some of the I, my... use, I use everything. I use balls. I got the, brrr, the power uh, okay. guns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'll, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll lay down. I'll uh, lay a bell on it and just feel the pressure and try to focus on relaxing mm-hmm. i have another sequence that i do where i loop the band because i'm trying not only to relax the muscles but also set the shoulder back in the socket because it's a little bit it's better now so I, I again another i did a turkish get-up workout right before this because same idea you hold that weight and it sets your shoulder back mm-hmm. so that's another thing that's and you getting it from different angles so that's just in one day I've done a lot of shoulder protocols because I know the shoulder wasn't feeling great. I do the rope, do, you know, figure eights with the rope. Mm-hmm. And if you keep the wrist a little bit more stiff because you can do a lot of wrist movement. Mm-hmm. But if you keep the wrist more stiff, then the shoulder does more of the movement. Uh, it stretch. sounds like to me like but little little bits and pieces spread out over the day versus like one hour of you doing like rolling on the ball or doing the whatever. Like I think said. ultimately you should be doing both. For, for the purpose of injury recovery, mm-hmm. um, you should have specific sessions. But the really powerful thing is to just incorporate it like, like I know that this thing hurts. So the one hour that I do may not be enough to offset the 23 hours of this thing hurting. <laughs> which, is, which is a big point. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to do a little bit throughout the day when I can. Like I said, I'm going to keep this on the back burner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this one burner on my stove. Probably for the next two days because I know it's going to feel better tomorrow because it already feels better. It's still going to be sore for another couple days. I know because I've dislocated a lot of shoulders in my day. And this wasn't even a dislocation. It was just kind of like sitting off to the point that it caused pain and uh, compromised a few movements. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow I'm going to do more soft tissue release because I haven't been diligent on that lately. And I've had, um, you know, the workouts that I've been doing so I can feel some of these tense bits but yeah it's this idea of especially with injury recovery it should be something that you incorporate into your life like i I, so i I fucked up my foot i think i sprained it doing again i was doing stunts for a movie i was doing um a guy was flipping me and we did the because we were losing light so we had to do the same sequence a few times in a row we were tired the last flip i landed kind of sketchy um when i got home that night i couldn't put weight on the foot that next morning couldn't walk without a stick super painful by the end of the day i was walking Next day or two, I could walk normally. So now there's still a bit of pain and swelling. And and now is actually the harder part because I can do basic stuff. Now is when I have to put more work into the rehab because now I have to get it strong again. Mm-hmm. So, but, but yeah, it's approaching it from many angles. And um, what about many angles and yeah. incorporating it into your life, like making it a compulsive thing that you do rather than saying, okay, I'm going to schedule this time. Yeah. Like, no, I just got up. I'm going to do, or I'm standing right now and I'm doing ankle circles. <laughs> sort of being like, I mean, if you, if you have a dog or a cat, you, you see that, right? Like they'll just yeah. get up and stretch and do a, it's you compulsive. know, up. it's not, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like they, they say, okay, this time is for workouts. Yeah. They're sleeping. They say, okay, I'm going to do a stretch because I was laying down. Yeah. Like, okay, there's, it's a full moon. I have some energy. I'm going to do some sprints. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, man, it's like 
again, like what we talked about earlier, most people are so fucking pressured and they're so fucking busy that they don't, they, they, they only have that one hour to do it at the gym. But you know, like a lot of times I do recommend it to people. I just say like, you know what, honestly, I think if you are really truly that busy, although of course it's always arguable, right? Like I, I know which, like what you're thinking. You'll find probably, a right? way or an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. People like you're coming home, you're watching Netflix, that episode of Netflix and you know, yeah. you can always fucking, but like, even if you are that super busy, I feel like probably it's still better to maybe do, like you said, 10 minutes here, roll on the ball, do another 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and do that three, four times throughout the day. And there's your one hour. But I feel like yeah. it's almost a little bit better because it's spread out. And also there are some people just psychologically, you know, they start getting in their head like, oh, my God, it's an hour, you know, but versus if it's like 10 minutes a couple times a day, it's like they that feel. It becomes more of a habit, too, which is exactly. what you want. You want yeah. it to be compulsive. Yeah, yeah. So it builds a habit that can, and that can Part last for a long is, time. Part of it is, I was writing a book about this. It's like thirty pages in. Well, yeah. I, I was writing a flexibility book, and then I got sidetracked with too many other tasks. <laughs> but that, that's one thing that I was talking about too: is this idea of like environment. Like you're working in an office, people are going to look at you weird if you get up and take two minutes to stretch. Totally. And like, why is that considered weird? That's fucking healthy because you're sitting for so long. Yeah, that should be the norm. Like you should get a five minute break every hour just to stretch and people should be like, good, like yeah. nodding to you for that. But instead you're going to get weird looks. Like this was a few years ago. I was stretching at the airport before a flight and this dude f fucking yelled at me. This really? like, you know, year old fat dude. <laughs> he was so offended that this 25 year old guy was stretching. That's... Like he, he was like, um, Every time I switch, and I wasn't being um, being low key. I was doing like full on lunges in the chairs. Okay, so right. What? But it's Vegas, and who gives a fuck, man? I'm about to sit yeah. for five hours. Yeah. So he was sitting a couple seats down from me, and he would like grunt every time I switched positions. Like, ah, like, <laughs> bro, are you offended? Chill out, man. And eventually, he just got up and yelled, "Like, can you just be normal?" Oh wow. That's the one thing I miss about Russia sometimes, you know, it's like, well, unless if you're in people's way in Russia, most people don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 You shouldn't give a fuck. Let people and you shouldn't give do a what fuck. they're going to do. And now, and I'm glad that now if I feel like moving, I'm going to move. And if people think I'm weird, good, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, give a yeah. shit. It depends. If I'm traveling international, I might try to be more low key because I don't like to. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a big space like that, I try to be more of the gray man. So I'll still be some <laughs> stretching, but not uh, not oh, in the man. middle of everything. How do you handle yeah. international travel? Like you got you doing you doing do you, are you the guy doing pushups on the aisle or what? <laughs> um, I try to get into. There was a point in the beginning, but after I did enough of it. Um, try to be invisible and try mm -hmm. to hit so it's like this idea that i put myself in a state where i'm not fully awake like i'm chill so if i can sleep at any point and i can wake up at any point mm -hmm. and it, it, it's it's easier to stay in that state of relaxation like not getting pumped up for anything doing you know some light stretches mm -hmm. some light movements but thinking of um like using the cats as inspiration, the state that a cat is in for most of the day. So relaxed, <laughs> super aware, relaxed, yeah. can sleep anywhere, some light stretches, um, and then not the the 3 a.m. sprint stage of the cat. That's, a, that's what I, <laughs> when I get to the hotel when I get to the paw, destination. Paw in the face, yeah. <laughs> I find that to be easier with adjusting to time frame 
um, w- with being relaxed, with not using too much energy mm. at the airport, with saving it and, and being able to, yeah. So I try not to get psyched up. Um, I'll do, I, I have a, like a list, I think I wrote, I might've written something about this. I probably never published it. <laughs> There's like a, a four, like how to adjust to a time zone. Mm. One is no caffeine. So I, I normally drink coffee every day. Once in a while, I'll take a week where I reset the tolerance. If I'm traveling, no caffeine. Um, resetting, if setting my watch to whatever time zone I'm going to be in, like way beforehand, mm-hmm. as soon as I'm on that first plane, because I'm already mentally thinking like, okay, I'm looking at it. Okay, whatever, it's 6 a.m. So I'm not, because you get into this mindset like, oh, well, it's it's going to be three in the morning where I come from. Now, if you think about where you're coming from, yeah. of course, um, the red glasses help, especially if you're doing overnight flights. Okay, so the blue, blue blockers, yeah. Set. Okay. Yeah, I'll put specifically the red ones, the the Vin Diesel ones. Yeah, like the yeah, the, the darker ones. Because I don't know if people people know this, but th- there's a lot of ones that are like they sell on Amazon for like twenty bucks. Guys, yep. those don't do fucking anything. They don't do nothing. They're just like you know. There are ones. I have ones that are like forty that block forty percent of the light. I have yeah. yellow ones that I wear when I watch Netflix at night. So it's mm-hmm. like you can still see the colors, but the red ones, you put them on, like instantly you feel tired. The word looks completely different. All of the colors are <laughs> either red or black, and that's it. Yeah. And um, I, I, yeah, I think I have them somewhere. Those are really good. You're going to, mm-hmm. yeah, like I think of them like uh, like Vin Diesel glasses, like the <laughs> thing Riddick wears because his eyes are Riddick, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I was trying to remember it too. I couldn't fucking remember it. And so, and what about like uh, supplements and stuff? I mean, is there, and I know there's always like, you know, probably a million things that you've done and tried and probably have, but like, if you were to narrow it down to a few things that you take regularly, I guess, of course, maybe there's stuff you don't take every day. Like you said, coffee is most days, unless you take a week off. What kind of other supplements are you into? Um... I have a cabinet full of a lot of random shit because I like random shit. <laughs> a lot of times I forget to take them. A lot of times I'm taking a lot of things at once and I don't know which one <laughs> is doing what. Yeah. Um, that being said, Mumio, um, Shalajit, whatever, like the, the black tar, the mm. stuff that looks like heroin. Mm-hmm. I've been taking that. It's not heroin. <laughs> but I, I've been taking that pretty regularly for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I, the, I'd like to think that that does stuff. Mm-hmm. Worst case, it tastes like it's got a shitload of minerals in it. Yeah. So uh, it helps, minerals. They, are good. Yeah, they say it helps with some iron uh, reabsorption and yada yada. It does a bunch of stuff. They say. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be good for a lot of. It's supposed to be like if you break a bone, that's like the shit you're supposed to be taking because that's supposed to be the bone mender. Yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, a lot of random stuff. I'll take some multivitamins. I'll take some uh, some creatine if I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll take, I'm trying to think what else, alpha GPC, some like brain nootropic stuff. Um, I have a few random ones of those. Some of the mushroom powders I like. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which ones. I like the mix of all the of reishi them. The and all those kind of things. Yeah, and, those kind know. of stuff. I like those. I'm trying to think what else. Not really a supplement, but uh, Zip Fizz. They sell this shit at Costco. It's like Zip vitamins, fizz. caffeine, and then <laughs> like if you were to get a shot of B12, it has that much B12 in it. Wow, that's a good like little powdery powdery drink that that's reasonably healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, um, I'll usually take half of one of those. I, mm-hmm. I don't often take the whole thing. You're not attached to any of these things. I try to keep my caffeine to under 200 mils, 200 uh, milligrams per day for the most part. Uh-huh. 
So um sounds like yeah. you're not you're not attached to any of these things like you know like you have to have your fucking creatine before the workout or you got to have your weight no, protein or whatever. Uh, I like to try random shit and mm-hmm. I like to hope that it works and if it doesn't it tastes bad enough that it probably does something. <laughs> it's kind of Yeah. Well yeah, like I keep it pretty scattered but I I figure it's it's like I'm I'm throwing a bunch of darts and assuming that a couple of them hit and I'm not <laughs> I'm not, not a, a bad way to deal with it. With my supplementation, I'm just yeah. throwing a bunch <laughs> of stuff in it. But I just ordered a bunch of random Chinese medicines, okay. um, for like mainly herbs? for the foot. But um, but it's called like tooth from the tiger's mouth and dragon's blood, shit like that. Cool so I name, figured so it's, it's gonna be good, good enough. <laughs> yeah. And what about all like the ingredients are in Chinese? Yeah, like the yeah, name yeah. is in English, but you read the ingredients, it's all Chinese. So <laughs> I think it's probably good shit. What about uh, like uh, acupuncture and all those kind of things then? Since we're talking about Chinese shit, you enter the. It's been hit or miss. I've done a little bit. I did go through a few acupuncture sessions when I was starting to rehab the hand mm-hmm. in March before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it helped a little bit. Uh, I do sauna. I do have infrared sauna, near infrared, the the oh, red like a, lamp. Like a clo- oh, a lamp. Okay. Okay. Cool. It's uh, it's like the, the red lamp, so it's red light and infrared, so it's near infrared versus far infrared. I do that every day. Uh, I, I do feel benefit from that, so I do enjoy it. I do an Epsom salt bath about once a month, and I do feel legitimately better from that. Um, I do have CBD and some shit that I take. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it do anything? I don't know. I'd like to think it does. <laughs> I do have one that's, uh, and I'm really sensitive to this. It's like CBD THC, and I take half a dosage, mm-hmm. and I only take it when I know that I don't have anything going on at night or in the I'll morning. Fuck you up, because right? Because yeah. about an hour and a half in, I literally can't get up. <laughs> but I, but it does heighten the rest of my senses, and yeah. I'm not big into into drugs because my mind's already fucked up enough <laughs> as it is. But I do take that once in a while because mm-hmm. I do feel it's like kind of like a forced relaxation. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's good. But I know that I'm not going to take that if I have to do something in the morning because it does put me out pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I take ZMA at night sometimes. I take oh, ashwagandha. Of ashwagandha <laughs> is good shit because it gives you crazy dreams. Yeah. I need to get some more. I think actually. Right, uh, have it. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. I have some other. I have some other shit. I don't know. Like I'll open my cabinet. I don't even know half the stuff that's in there. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. Because I about it and then I order some. Yeah, man. And so, um, you know, you've been doing this shit for so long. I mean, do you have days? What, 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 what like inspires you? What, uh, I mean, are you looking at other, you know, I don't know, circus performers, or are you looking at, you know, fucking Phil Heath pumping iron fucking on YouTube or whatever? I mean, what kind of, what inspires you to get up and do like a workout when you kind of don't feel like it maybe? Interesting thought. And honestly, most of my workouts I've been doing now have been almost more maintenance, like like stuff to keep in shape for the random shit that I might have to do. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing... This year, more like stunts and acting and martial arts type stuff. So I've been doing more of that. As far as workouts, I still keep up with acrobatics. I still like to see it. I haven't been doing as much this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am still into it. Uh, martial arts stuff I'm getting more into, more like movies and stunts and this kind of thing. But I'm inspired by everything. Anytime I see someone who, like, you can tell they put in years of work to perfect their craft, that's inspiring. And that could be anything. That could be um, Gordon Ramsay chopping onions. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. damn, he's really good at chopping onions. It takes me twice as long to do that. <laughs> like, that, no, that's a good skill. But in the in the so, physical culture kind of world, do you think there's anybody out there that kind of, you know, I don't know, gets you excited to fucking do something? Or I don't know. Because for me personally, like, I'm having such a hard time. Everybody that I, you know, kind of follow or whatnot, look up to, it's all guys that I've known for I don't know, 10, 20 years, you know, and I'm just like kind of repeating the same shit because it's all the, the, you know, fitness industry. It's all just moving towards these Instagram model guys, you know, and their workouts is like, it's just like a 30 second video on Instagram of them. Like, you know, like one pull up, then he'll do a flip, then he'll run over and like take a jackhammer and fucking like grill the grill. And it's just like the randomest shit ever. And it's just like to get views, you know, but it's not really like. Uh, inspiring at all for, you, yeah, know, you just gotta do crazy shit to get uh, to get views yeah get I mean like flip a tire and then they have a hammer and it's just like why the fuck would you ever put those I mean well look you could have fun right and like I get it but like we all know you're not like genuinely having fun I mean maybe he is having fun because he's getting so many views and he's getting you know a lot yeah. of pussy online or whatever but it's just like you know I sort of no, and I've been like, be honest too. I've been more uninspired with my own internet presence because it's like I'm not, I'm not really training sexy stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't think what I'm doing is it's interesting to me. But I don't know how interesting that is in general. But I'm, st- I'm still posting stuff. But it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, and I'm probably losing followers because of it because I'm not doing crazy shit. But I don't care because it's you're being you, man. Don't fucking worry about it. Do your thing. Yeah, exactly. Because not- and if you don't find me interesting as a person, then then whatever. But it's like if if you if you follow somebody because they post handstands and then they don't post handstands anymore, you never thought they were interesting as a person, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I would rather you need you need the genuine fucking people that are there to you know to see your shit. And um... if you're interested in somebody, you'll you'd be interested in whatever they do. Yeah, man. Because they can put their own unique perspective on it. Yeah, man. That's a good way. It's a um, good way, th- good thing to think about, it, and it's true. And um, well, man, I don't know. It's been fun chatting with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah <for laughs> and speaking sure. of which, so where people can find you, you know, how do people check your shit out? Oh yeah, go to my website yuri-mar.com. I have not updated it in a while, so it's a work in progress. Well, it's it's on my list of shit so yuri-mar.com, right? You with are. a dash, with a dash. Okay. Just Yuri- a- there's nobody else named Yuri Marmerstein, so if you just search my name, um, it should be pretty easy to find. So currently, I'm not traveling and doing workshops. I would love to start that again when people stop being afraid of leaving their house and when governments <laughs> stop trying to make people afraid of leaving their house. Oh, man. How's the situation in Vegas right now? I know that they're like open right but like not the like like, you know the strip but like not really what's going on shows aren't open bars and restaurants and stuff are open there are some restrictions people are kind of more people are moving towards just not giving as much of a shit which is good because it's taking a long time though my man i mean in russia like my my family still lives in russia you know and it's like over there nobody's been giving a shit for many months now (laughs) you know and it's not because they're they truly don't give a shit it's just i think once you go through 
uh, once you see past the bullshit of governments and politicians yeah. and all that nonsense, you you just have a different perspective that I just think yeah. Americans don't yet, and they probably yeah. need you know a few more, probably not a few, maybe you know a couple decades worth of more bullshit politics for them to kind yeah. of realize that shit. Just want people to be to get back, like just live your life, just pretend whatever, wash your hands. The the best thing you can do is just to take care of your health. Yep. And, and that should be a priority anyway. And if there's one thing that this whole experience should teach is that your health should be a priority. But yeah, I'd love to start doing in-person workshops again. I'm good to go. I don't know if the world is. I don't know if my U.S. passport is good enough to get into certain countries. But, <laughs> um, but currently I'm teaching workshops online on Saturdays and various topics. So you can do that. It's not as good as an in-person workshop. Um, I still enjoy it. I'm the hoping to be able to start doing the real thing again oh, for, yeah, like online coaching and stuff. I got some books and some instructional videos, uh, a lot of free stuff. If you want to pay for some stuff and help me pay rent, I always appreciate that. But no worries either way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then follow me on the Instagram. I, I post random shit that's not consistent. <laughs> but, but I try to make it interesting. It's the only way to post, brother. You're being yeah. you. <laughs> well, awesome, bro. I'll uh, attach all that stuff in the uh, show notes and everything. Thank you so yeah. much, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Things you own end up owning you.